your mission should you choose to accept it. And the clock is running. Hit it, Andy. As always, should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Here we go. Let's bring that input back up. Okay. Whoa, you son of a bitch. You trashed my ears, man. Okay. So, well done. Thanks. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. as you might have guessed, we're going to talk about Mission Impossible in this episode. Welcome back to Frame by Frame, by the way. I'm Stephen. Yeah, I'm Andy. So, um, yeah, we've recently watched a new uh, Mission Impossible film. There's yeah. lots of impossible missioning going on. Yeah, and, and somewhat impossible scenes going on. Yes. But we'll get to that when we, when, when we get to that film. Yeah, well, we thought we'd sort of discuss all of them, really, didn't all we? All of them one at a time, just like we did with the Alien franchise. But yeah. uh, we'll, 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 we'll kill them off like birds. Hold on to your seats. Like John Woo's pigeons. <laughs> he loves his pigeons, doesn't he? Slow-mo pigeons. Slow-mo pigeons. So let's start with the first one. Let's say, let's go back in time to 1996. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did it. I want to know why he did it. You're worried about me. Why you survived? I'm sure we can find something I have that you need. No one said me. These guys are trained to be ghosts. Let's not waste time chasing after him. Let's make him come to us. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. Do you remember when it first came out? This the uh, the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. What year did it come out? I think it was 1996. Bloody hell! I know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it was a big deal because everybody knew only the series back then. Yeah. 
and everybody did know the series. Nowadays, you know, ask a kid, oh, I've not, I've not seen an episode of Mission Impossible. They were like, mm, it's Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, he plays that man. That Tom Cruise. Stuff. But yeah, I remember it coming out. There was quite a lot of hype around it. And it was the most Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible film. Yeah, it was, it was the most... To to the series, but then yeah. If you, did you watch the series growing up? I've seen episodes of it. I never watched it like religiously or anything. The setup was was pretty much it, it played out like a Columbo episode, except when it the, came down to the mission, there's no dialogue, everybody's quiet, and then the mission is going on. The only people who are talking are the people who are being watched or under surveillance or a mask, mm. and I just remember. It's almost as if everything is just visual when someone's turned the sound off because you're just watching them doing their little mission things, setting it all up, and then all of a sudden sound comes back because everything gets complicated and then and then and it's all resolved at the end and they walk around and they've done another mission. But it was never ever to the extent of that movie with Tom Cruise back in 1996. Yeah, because the audience won't sit through. <laughs> an hour of silence while we tinker with wires and watch people. But the, the only part needs to be. Yeah, it was such a, a a passive show, is what I'm saying. Really, I mean, it was a very passive television series, and uh, you you just enjoyed watching Leonard Nimoy or the the guy with the grey hair or the guy the guy with the sideburns. Who well, are these people? It's <laughs> John Voight in the original. Mission Impossible. I don't think so. He he kind of feels like he should have been. Yeah. Whether he was or not, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, the series it was a long uh, stretch series. I mean, it went on for about seven to ten seasons, and uh, the actors changed all the time. Lots which, of impossible missions. Lots of impossible missions, in, and one of them was involving Milk Man. Um, it was never memorable. In terms of what happened in this series, that you didn't kind of like sit there going, "Oh, do you remember the one when?" Mm, it kind well, of, yeah. it's, it doesn't really. Do you remember the one where they were quiet and messed with wires and watched TVs? <laughs> they did surveillance. Yeah. And watched do, you remember, do you remember the one when they watched that person do that thing? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Good, good one. That. They good observing one, when they observed. Good one, mate. Brilliant that one. But um, when you know, it's different when you watch a Columbo or if you watch anything like like that or the A Team. You know, do you remember when they had to build that helicopter or when out of paper mache? <laughs> paper, yeah. And Babe Rackus refused to get on the plane. And they ain't get no plane animal. <laughs> exactly, memorable things. But with Mission Impossible, not so much. So when when they get to 1996, it's the era where television remakes will come up the Avengers as you know I know no no with Steed and yeah the, the uh, British TV series Avengers with Ray, Ray Fiennes and um... Uma Thurman I, yeah okay yeah she played what's this girl in the Avengers called I have absolutely no idea yeah but it was yeah it was Uma Thurman but it was a rubbish film yeah but it was a rubbish film Eddie Murphy was in it not Eddie Murphy. Eddie Izzard was in it. Eddie Murphy was in it. Eddie Murphy. That would have been a great version. Uh, but yeah, a lot of lot of TV weak TV um, TV made films came out. So Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom Cruise had done um, not a lot of action films up until then, apart from Top Gun, Days of Thunder. Kind of the typical um, contained. He was very contained. I think this was the first time that we saw Tom Cruise let loose. 
Yeah, I suppose, but the first Mission Impossible wasn't really a massive action film. It was like a spy thriller. Yeah, spy thriller, yeah. You yeah know. Like the Thomas Crown Affair kind of thing. Yeah, thing. yeah. So when everyone talks about the first film, it's the when he's trying to get in that vault. Yeah. You know, which is a very tense. Who directed the first one? It's a good director, isn't Brian it? Brian De Palma. Yeah, Brian De Palma. Yeah. That's very Brian De Palma. So yeah, you know when he comes through and he's like almost hitting the floor yeah. and he's about to trigger the senses and that sweat starts to come down. Perfect. It's really well done. It's a good, it's fun. A good film, yeah. And then they've got these unseen moments of uh, brutality, which is what I, I use the same phrase when we were talking about um, Hard to Be a God last week. The altercation. <laughs> altercation. Well, there's a, a unseen moment of brutality where Jean Reno kills a rat with his teeth because he had to be holding the, the thing. Yeah, yeah. Very unusual. But I wish they'd filmed that because that would have been cool. Because um, he's in the air vent, you've got Ving Rhymes who was uh, behind the computer. Yeah, who was quite restrained in that first film. He was, he was. Yeah. He was good though. I like, I like him. He's a good screen presence, Ving Rhymes. But the whole film, I mean, they, they had um, Emmanuel Bert, who was um, the love interest of uh, Jean Voigt. Big age difference going on there. I mean, she was stunning. I mean, her eyes. I mean, she was used pretty much as the decoy and. Uh, the um, and then you had um, Kristen Scott Thomas was in it as well. She was the original IMF team, um, and Charlie Sheen's brother Amelia Estevez, yeah, who was the probably the, the shortest lived. Um, yeah, he didn't stay too long, wizard. did he? No, but uh, it was an interesting setup. I mean, the, the, the whole IMF team gets killed off. Abort! Do you read me? And it's just him and a, and a couple of them left. And they go rogue. They go rogue. Like he does in every Mission Impossible film. Yeah. Since your father's death, your family's farm has been in receivership. Now, suddenly, they're flush with over 120 grand in the bank. Your father's illness was supposed to have wiped out that bank account. Dying slowly in America, after all, can be a very expensive proposition. So, why don't we quietly get out of here onto a plane I can understand you're very upset Kittredge you've never seen me very upset alright Hunt enough is enough you have bribed cajoled and killed and you have done it using loyalties on the inside you want to shake hands with the devil that's fine with me I just want to make sure that you do it in hell It's like, right, so we'll have Tom Cruise do this, do this, and then we'll go rogue. And then we'll go rogue, and then later on we'll just call it rogue. Yeah, it's like, you know, and and there's always people people don't trust ILM. There's IML. What is it, ILM? IMF. IMF, right, there we go. Yeah, so it's IMF. Impossible mission. So in every one. Fools. You know, either Cruise has to go rogue, or the IMF are not trusted anymore, so they have to go rogue. To prove that they can be trusted, and by the end of the government's like, we need these back, we trust them. You and know, they have, and they have a different boss every time as well. Yeah, a different who's, boss. Who is somebody famous who is in there as a as, as a as a cash in because oh, I haven't seen him in a movie for a long time. Yeah, or like the uh, yeah, and if you know, either they're gonna that boss is going to disband IMF because it can't be trusted anymore because they spent too much money. Uh-huh. Or he ends up being a rogue agent himself, and he goes rogue. And but he's yeah. not who you think he is. Well, Tom Cruise is going rogue over there. Or it's the old bosses. Um, the guy who works with the old boss, um, who's helping him, ends up trying to help Ethan Hunt, who ends up being the bad guy. There's, there's, there's kind of like 
several combinations of the trilogy of the of the triangle of, yeah. of, of relationships that involve Ethan Hunt, the boss, and the boss's best pal. Yeah. Um, and people yeah. wear there's lots of masks going on lots of cool masks there's, there's not so many masks going on but I there's think masks, going, masks on. going on there's loads of masks in the first yeah, one they're true. yeah they're, they're, the first one there's, yeah, there's, there's actually that's yeah. the that's their thing in the first one yeah pull the mask off yeah pull the mask off oh it's not him it's him but it's quite tense I mean the first scene was quite tense where they've got Emmanuel Burt is, is basically supposed to be dead and they have to quickly rip give her a, a a certain thing to get her heart starting again in order to, to bring it back to life and then they go into the whole credit sequence simple game four players exfil opens the pocket cyber ops lifts the wall bank imf mainframe where exactly is in langley in langley the one in virginia like inside cia headquarters at langley is this serious always <laughs> we're going to Virginia why don't we drop by Fort Knox I can fly a helicopter right in through the lobby and set it down inside the vault and it would be a hell of a lot easier than breaking to the goddamn CIA what are we downloading information what kind profitable payment on delivery mm. great cast good action good setup um, yeah smooth um, dated would you say I would say so now because of the computers that they used the train um, thing with the helicopter going into the tunnel was a bit... Looks a bit laughable now, I think. Yeah, and it is probably one of the most extreme moments in the film where you kind of just go, oh, come on. Really? Really? That's, really? That's impossible. No migrants flooding the... You know, it would have killed so many migrants these days. Yeah. Which is a, a news story that has been blown out of proportion. Completely out of proportion just to get a rise out of everybody. What? Would the English press do such a thing? To think that yes, that 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 the actual numbers of immigrants are, are really low, <laughs> really really low, and yet they're making it look like it's a lot worse than it really is. Of course they are. That's yeah. what they do. But uh, that's the Euro Tunnel, and I think it was quite fun for us to see the Euro Tunnel being used in a film. Was it a new thing then? Very new. Yeah, ninety yeah, six. Within that five years, of, yeah. So, <clears throat> so that was good. So yeah, and I suppose the main thing was when he came off the helicopter and landed on the train, doesn't he? He does, and, yeah. then, and there's a, the, the guy uh, the CGI in the, thing, and then uh, yeah, the the driver, the driver who's like a comedian, is in like quite a few things. Seen before, I think it, yeah, yeah, and he's got that face of uh, yeah, it's Tom Cruise, which kind of takes it's it small out. Small in real life, <laughs> yeah, he looks a bit. Just puts the wipers on and just gets them off like a bug. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that was Tom Cruise. I had no idea. Oh, because Tom Cruise. <laughs> he said he had wings in Top Gun. He was actually one of the planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Well, yeah. he was one of the miniatures. He was. <laughs> Go away, Tom. <laughs> Buzz off. Splat. But um, yeah, I mean, Eurotunnel. The thing about uh, British films is that as soon as something opens like uh, the Millennium Dome or Eurotunnel, they, I think they panic because they think we spent so much money on this. We need to get a bit of revenue back. Yeah, they did so it. Let's with, make a movie. They yeah. did it with James Bond. Yeah, World is Not Enough, where he hurts his ankle and slides down the Millennium Dome, doesn't Yeah, it? exactly. They had to get money somewhere. Do you understand? I can protect you! Not from him! 
everybody really enjoyed the Mission Impossible. I mean, there was no real criticism of it. No, that, that, that's what I mean. I think um, when you wanted the when you wanted the Mission Impossible film, you wanted that the espionage, the um, the Cold War feeling. Yes, not Cold not, War, not cold, but, but given that sort of feeling, you know, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good, enjoyable film. The, the, the only things I could ever criticize about the film is the fact that how Christian Scott Thomas dies um, getting stabbed. Yeah, she, she should could, not die in anything. She, she couldn't. No, but she should. She, why did she walk so close towards that fence when she, she knew that somebody was already being murdered, and then she just let herself get killed? Uh, it's, that's that's about the only thing that threw me out because I thought, well, why why did she stand there? I remember that was the, when I watched it back in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. I didn't understand why she had to die, not because I was emotionally attached to Kristen Scott Thomas in any way. She can die if she wants to, but it was just the way. I mean, it, it kind of took me out a little bit. I'm just going to go on record here and say I don't want her to die. You didn't. No, no, I like ever. her ever. I think she should live forever. Okay, that's very nice. She can speak French really well. Does she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, thinking the English patient, she probably does a bit as well. She does films in French. On est marié depuis une éternité. Et si je mets bout à bout les moments que nous avons passés ensemble, ça fait combien de temps? But uh, that's fine. I mean, one person dying in a film isn't going to ruin the whole film. And yeah, Eurotunnel side, it was a very cool film. Yeah, very cool film. And uh, in '96. It, no, no, it still looked dated in '96. Where I remember thinking, nah, I remember it looking fake. Yeah, but that's because but it's it was Mission still... Impossible. They had nothing to work on other than the template of the yeah. TV series, and they probably want. They were probably afraid of going too far away. Well, they definitely Maybe. stuck to a sort of Mission Impossible formula. Yeah. Which they didn't stick to the second one, shall we say. Yeah, well, the second one is uh, directed by John Woo. It came out in the, about 2000, I think. 2000, yeah, four years after Mission Impossible. So th- there was obviously a, a buzz about... You had long film. hair in this one, nice hair. Yeah, nice, nice long hair, which was probably his choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a different um, hairstyle for every Mission Impossible. Which is his choice. You can do that if he wants. He's Tom Cruise. And uh, but do do we think that John Woo saw the first film and thought, "I want to do a, I want to do a James Bond film." I think John Woo probably maybe did see the first one. I probably, I'm I, sure, he would. yeah. But I think he he's yeah. saying right. They've employed me. They clearly want me to do a John Woo version of a Mission Impossible. But that's the difficult the thing because thing you know. Agent Wilkie. Identity confirmed. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Sorry I barged in on your vacation. Well, Mr. Hunt, I don't quite know where to begin. You know me? No. Should I? She's got no training for this kind of thing. To go to bed with a man and lie to him, she's a woman. She's got all the training she needs. Welcome to Australia, mate. This ain't funny. Ah, ah! The 
mother of all nightmares is on the loose. I don't think I can do it. You mean it'll be difficult? Very. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. You gotta be kidding. This message will destruct in five seconds. Okay. Mission Impossible 2, John Woo. Oh my god, that, go okay, let's, let's go for it. So, uh, Mission Impossible 2, um, the thing about John Woo as, as a director, he put too much woo in it. Yeah. It was too mm. much. <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying. I think... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying <laughs> all of a sudden it's a Peppa Pig episode yeah. Brian De Palma understood what the source material was and Brian De Palma didn't go to Brian De Palma with no. it I don't think I think he, he held back because he still wanted to keep the idea of this being a Mission Impossible film yeah and I actually just want to know one of the things I like about oh, this whole series of films is it views a different director every time you get a different take just like they do time. with James Bond yeah, which I really like. I, really but like I do that. like that too, yeah. I, yeah. I agree that, that that works for this series. Hmm. Um, as, it, as it did with the Star Wars series until they went back to the original director again, so they should never go back to Brian De Palma. The idea was came from Tom, you know, and uh, he told me he liked uh, rock climbing, uh, flying planes, and, uh, and like motorcycles, all, all this kind of thing. And, uh, but in the meantime, uh, we try to use the scene to establish uh, uh, Ethan Hunt's new character. We wanted to create a, a, um, a new kind of hero, you know, a, uh, a person who really cares about people and just like the ordinary people, you know, he, uh, he enjoyed life, uh, he had a lot of great passion about nature, about love, about everything, and also the full of energy and full of life. But um, yeah, John Woo came in, but I, I, I somehow just think that he he was said, well, you did Face Off. Um, People go nuts about Face Off. I really don't I, get I, that film at all. It's naff. Yeah. It's actually, um, it, it's basically Nicolas Cage going crazy. John Travolta. <laughs> People just wanted to see John Travolta acting with Nicolas Cage. It was a it was a monumental moment yeah. for the actor for the actors to be appearing in a movie together, playing each other. Yeah, which is bizarre. Which was very well done. Like I love that aspect of the film, but for the whole action thing, it was just way too over the top. Which made me made me think that maybe John Woo would have looked at this, looked at the source material, the series, looked at the original Mission Impossible film, and thought, "Okay, I need to learn how to do a Mission Impossible film." I want to be able to bring my influence in there. I'd like to be able to bring a few of the John Woo visuals in there, my signature. I definitely want to have that, but it can't be to the level of face-off. Mm. But it, it, he didn't do that. He went, bam, let's do that. Let's do me. But it's people, just too much. Yeah, people talk down on it, right? But you said earlier that there are obviously amazing things in it. There are some amazing things. The beginning, things. when he's going for a nice little rock climb. But then... then it's him doing that. It's, that's it's it. amazing. There's no stunt man. I mean, it's him. Him jumping. He actually jumped from one rock face to to another one below, and he 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 hit his legs in there every time. 
yeah. he went impacted on his in his legs and uh, and it hurts. Yeah, yeah. He, he he hurts to make this movie. Other good aspects of it, the good things about this movie, I think that the car chase was quite fun. Between him and bit, the girl, but even though it's very unbelievable thing that it, happens in yeah. these films, it was still. It was it's, it's it was just, okay. I kind of want to. I want, do you know what? I really want to like it because it was very James Bondish. But then at the same time, because of that fact, I also want to hate it. But I still think there's a lot of skill involved in terms of stunts. Oh, of a course, lot of skill yeah, involved yeah. in terms. And, and this is the only way I can actually like this film is by looking at what was done to achieve what was done, hmm. rather than. Uh, looking at it and saying, "Well, this is just too much like a James Bond film. Therefore, I I have to discount it. It has to be counted for something. It has to be worth something." Hmm. And that's kind of all that there really is for Mission Impossible Two. Well, to exactly. I'm trying to remember what kind of stands out for me in the film, and it's that rock. It's the Metallica song. Yeah, yeah. Um, the theme song for it. The Metallica did a song for it, which Limp- I kind of like. Limp Biscuit also did a cover. By really- one of them, yeah, yeah. They did, um, um, I don't know why you want to hate me. Because hate is all the I think that's what they Yeah, yeah. Doing. And then what was the Metallica one? Boom, boom, wow. Boom, 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 wow. They did it on top of the um, the rock thing that... They did? Yes. That Mr. Yeah. Cruz climbed uh, up. Yeah. But that's a good song. The rock good climbing song. bit's really good. The hair I just is good. From, hair is good. Good hair, good long hair. It went very nice in slow motion. Yes. Too much slow motion. Too, too much, much slow motion. Well, that's the John Woo thing. I know, but come on. But Too much slow motion. Can I tell you what was missing from this movie? Let's, what was missing was the espionage. What was missing was the uh, the, the neatness of of the uh, the thriller. The neatness of not the action, but the neatness of the thriller film. Right. Where it's smart, decisive scenes of characters doing slick things in a very discreet and and non abusive manner. Yeah, and and Ethan Hunt's kind of like a superhero in this. He's film. not Ethan Hunt, as in as in it was in yeah, the yeah. Tom Cruise is playing a, a completely different character that does not look like a continuity. He can never do anything wrong. He's always spot on. Yeah, and then like you like the car chase, but when they're doing that sort of ballet slow motion spinning around, oh, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then looking at each other in each in the, each other's eyes longingly, it's ridiculous. Which is fine because that big stretch of road there, there's not a problem. There's nothing on the road, obviously, when they're doing that. Yeah, and as soon as they do start to have that meandering chase, there's all kinds of traffic coming in and out. So mm. it's it's just odd how how you know how yeah. forced it's very forced setup of action. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. It's basically we're not going to worry about the fact that there's no traffic, and then there's traffic. We don't care. It's 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 forced action all the way. Who goes rogue in this one? Is it Cruz or is it the person that you have to go after? It's a rogue agent, isn't it? She's rogue, and she, is it? She's, she's rogue. There's always someone who goes rogue. But it, Anthony Hopkins is the guy who delivers the message via via um, a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins is the big uh, boss. Yeah. So so we've gone from John Voight. Anthony Hopkins, it seems to now become the trope of these films to have. Yeah, because he throws guy. the glasses away, doesn't he? Blow up. Yes. Yeah. In slow motion. Towards the camera. Yeah, in slow motion. Because because Ethan Hunt knows there's a camera there, and that's again something that you've got to kind of take away. I, mean, I liked in Ghost Protocol. Just got jumping ahead. I like the introduction to the titles in that because this is like like views. Yeah. And but. We know that he's talking metaphorically. We know that that the title is then going to get ignited, and then that fuse is going to go. There's no way there's a fuse 
in that whole thing to blow up the prison. Yeah, yeah. There's no, but but that's our taking into the you know to the uh, to the credits. That's fine. But him flicking the the sunglasses to the camera to start off the credits is too meta. It's just taking him out of the movie. Yeah. And we know then he's not Ethan Hunt. In fact, he plays straight away Dimitri on a plane. That was the first scene. Yeah. He plays a guy, or basically somebody he's who's wearing the Ethan Hunt mask. It'd be great though if he was sort of like he was and he took his mask off and then he's like, oh no, it's Tom Cruise and he took his mask off again and then it's John Voight. Oh no, oh he's taking his mask off again. No, it's back to Cruise. Oh no, he's taking his mask off again. They did that though in a parody, I'm sure. I've they... seen, I feel like I've seen that in a parody where they're just taking faces off and, and then they get to the left one and it's like, oh no, that's that's me. Right. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, the rubber face. It's it's an unusual thing why they why they had to do that. Then, yeah. Because he's not Dimitri, clearly, and he's not Tom Cruise, and there's no setup. There's no. There's no payoff for him wearing a mask because they don't suddenly say, "Oh, Ethan Hunt was on this plane." It was. It was just confused and pointless, right? Because they're trying to. They're basically. It's just for the audience to be confused about the fact that this isn't Ethan Hunt at all. This is actually somebody else. Because the audience is going to be sitting there thinking, "Oh, Ethan Hunt is undercover. He's pretending to be this Dimitri character." Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's not. There's no point to it. I've tried to figure it out. I've actually looked at that scene. I, I actually did watch a little bit of Mission Impossible 2 this week. Right. And that scene stuck with me and I just couldn't figure it out. That's my bell. Okay. For the butler. That's okay. He's not going to come. Sebastian. He's dead with his face ripped off. Tom Cruise is walking around with my butler's face. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that, yeah. Straight away, I kind of didn't really enjoy this film. Okay, so then we got J.J. Abrahams. No, 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 we're not there yet. We're, we're not still, done. We're still not done on Mission Impossible 2 because I'm we done. haven't we haven't talked about the love triangle. Oh. Nyla. I love you, Nyla, he says. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're basically he meets her and then there's the car chase and then yeah, there's yeah. that the central scenes of them dancing and... Um, she's robbing she's going to rob a bank or something or rob somebody but there's an elaborate scene where she has to be part of a dance and that dance has to happen at the time that she actually robs these people of whatever it is that she's stealing it's like an um, impossible mission isn't it it is like an impossible mission but how does she know that the dance is going to be there and how long it's going to be and all it's just these things kind of just throw up in, in a flag of saying how ridiculous it's just for the sake of them having a dance like for the sake of the sunglasses being an explosive, for the sake of us being fooled that it's the mask of it. So the whole film is for the sake of audience play. It really isn't setting up anything of a, of a, of a, of a Mission Impossible film. Mm. Yeah, they bring Ving Rhymes back in. He doesn't jab or jibe him about the, the, the girl Nyla in this one, but uh, he does later on in 3 about the wife. But yeah. it's, it's just like what are we watching here it's very orange yeah and not very memorable no I'm ready to move on okay <laughs> right so Mission Impossible 3 yes it starts quite a lot darker doesn't it
Agent confirmed. Stand by to go live. On my mark. Five. You have a, a wife and girlfriend? Four. Three. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her. Two. I'm gonna hurt her. One. And then I'm gonna kill you right in front of her. What are you not telling me? Basically, it's a scene that we don't know what's really happening. Yeah. Scene. Um, they haven't done this before. No. They haven't actually shown a scene that's going to be happening towards the end. And I don't usually like that because I I want to be able to... When I see a scene like that, I want to be able to care about what's going on. I don't care about it in the beginning. It's like the deer hunter. When the music plays at the beginning, I don't care so much for John... The, the, the score Cavatina I don't want to get into the movie but when they play that fucker at the end I'm in tears yeah really because it, it means something so at the beginning this scene we don't even know it's his wife so why should we feel anything that's my only thing about the opening of that scene that it's, it's kind of like so what he's just going to let this woman die because he's not going to give away the secret mm. about where the rabbit's foot is yeah the rabbit's foot where is it I gave it to you. Ethan. Where's the rabbit's foot? Wait. What what are you saying? That wasn't it. What I gave I'm you. I'm gonna count to ten. You're gonna tell me where the rabbit's foot is. Jules. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, do you understand? One. You listen to me. I got exactly what you asked for. Did you want something else? So if there was a misunderstanding, I will fix it. I can get it. Whatever you want. Two. Listen. Talk to me. We, we can talk. Like, gentlemen. So then we start. Yes. The movie. The credits roll and then we meet his wife and her. And uh, Did you know that that was her in the beginning from what meeting her in the next scene? The party? No, I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Still, you couldn't make the connection. Oh, you mean the person who eats the pie is, is, is the person at the very beginning? Was, yeah, in the prologue of the, with the gun to the head. You know what? I can't remember. That's the thing. I didn't really connect to that scene. Right, okay. All. So I completely forgot. Until it came up later on at the end, that's when I thought, oh, that's actually his wife at the beginning. But it didn't. I didn't really figure it out until mm. then because there's no need to. Um, so I don't think that they really needed that opening. I think they could have had something a lot stronger. They could have had a real pumping action sequence, maybe a mission that he was actually on yeah would have been nice but the, the thing is it's a different start because this time he's not an agent he's not rogue he's retired 
Three days ago, Agent Lindsay Ferris was captured while on a surveillance operation. This is the man she was tracking. His name is Owen Davian. Details are eyes only, but I can tell you that Davian's a black market trafficker. Extremely dangerous and a priority for us. At 1400 hours today, a recon satellite ID the caravan of vehicles with plates matching those known to have been used by Davian's operatives. They stopped at a derelict factory outside Berlin. It appears they have a hostage. We believe it's Agent Ferris. Normally we would disavow, but Lindsay may be the key to getting us closer to Davian, and that's a risk we need to take. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to find Lindsay and bring her home. I've already assembled a team. I have them standing by awaiting your word. This message, let's call it my excellent engagement gift to you. We'll self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Ethan, and thanks again. And the mission kicks off, and they have to. They get told that they have to break, break into the Vatican. And that's when I get excited. Right. They show, uh, they, also they say um, Rome, Italy, not to be confused with Rome, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Rome, Bristol. Rome, Bristol. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that. that's when I suddenly hooked onto the movie. It took me a while to hook in, mm. to be fair. Um, not a great opening for a, for a Mission Impossible It's film. not. And was this, J.J., was this his first film he directed? Good question. I think it was, you know. That, that, what was he before then? He probably directed TV. So he's not really been directed. Yeah. Oh, he, oh, yeah, of course, he, he was, did TV Lost. So it was the first film that he did was uh, Mission Impossible 3. Alias. He did Alias. He did, that, yeah. That's quite funny because there's a lot of... Isn't that a st- uh, about an agent who is pretending... Uh, that he's keeping his double life secret from his wife. I thought it was the wife keeping it from the way around. Is it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. So Alias is basically kind of like Mission Impossible Three. Yeah. Um, Felicity, of course. So there's the connection with Kerry Russell. So really, J.J. Abrams went in with Mission Impossible Three with a few people, reliable people who he'd worked before. A kind of a film that was a relatively re- referential format to Alias. So that he, it, this was kind of like his first movie, and he did bring in a few things mm. that was that he knew and was recognisable. J.J. Abrams likes to be comfort, comfortable, doesn't he? He does. If you think about it, it's strange for the Mission Impossible crew to pick him to be the director. If he'd never yes. really done a film before, yeah, yeah. Why pick him? Hi, this is Tom Cruise and J.J. Abrams. Hello. Welcome to Unscripted. What inspired you to direct Mission Impossible 3? And I thank you that you did, by the way. That is incredibly uh, kind of you, uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, First of all, uh, what inspired me was being uh, offered the job. (laughs) That was a huge inspiration because, I mean, let's be honest. uh, Did I think that was going to happen? Mission Impossible, uh, the series, uh, as you know, inspired in many ways Alias. Mm -hmm. And so doing, um, doing Alias was oddly the thing that ended up landing me this job because you saw that show. So it was the idea that I'm directing Mission Impossible because I was inspired by Mission Impossible is sort of sort of strange. You did better. Your characters, you know, I, I, when I saw Alias, what you accomplished with Alias in one show is, is extraordinary. Well, thank you. It's great characters, great storytelling, incredible tension. That's what I wanted. That's what you do. <laughs> Well, you're a great filmmaker. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You're a great filmmaker. Literally, all I'm going to do is thank you this entire interview. You know what? I, there's times where, you know, when you're working on something and, and I'm always pushing myself to think, have I thought of everything? Have I thought of everything? And just, But I actually felt that I had a huge net under me because 
of how much respect I have for your work and how much I trust you. It's, I, I felt that there was always room to create with you. And there was all, we were always going to come up with, we're going to solve it somehow, no matter what. And it was always fun. Don't Barbara Walters me. I know. Do not make me cry. When you <laughs> Tom, were in third grade. Um, but I tell you, and really people should know this, and I keep telling everyone, that it's, uh, it was a real honor to work with you. Oh, a please. real honor, I have to tell you. It's, it's such a joy. An absolute joy. And people in every department, because you, are, you really are a, a, a tremendous filmmaker. You know, as we talked about uh, at the beginning, you know, conceptually, what do we want to feel? What do you want to feel? And I, and I feel that, I have to tell you, I, I thank you because I feel like we really um, accomplished, you know, what, what we set out to do. Well, thank you. The thing is about J.J. Abrams, he's a very sellable person. Um, I can imagine he's very good in meetings. I think I imagine he's very strong with what he wants and what he thinks. And he has a very strong visual uh, ability to kind of share ideas yeah. and they probably thought that, that Tom, well I can imagine Tom Cruise would want to have somebody who was able to kind of work with in a more of a free environment because they like to they don't want to be too restricted I reckon Cruise liked his hair as well he loved his hair too yeah and he's like I want him to direct me because he's got nice hair he's got nice hair and, and so have I and to be honest J.J. Abrams is a nice but likeable personality and I think there probably would have been a good connection there yeah, yeah. and of course J.J. Abrams really got um, got his connections from that movie because Tom Cruise knew Steven Spielberg intimately yeah not intimately but yeah knew him really well and uh, there's uh, you know so this has really launched his career this movie this was the, the for a for a for a first well, feature. Yeah, well, after that, pretty good. He did an episode of The Office. He did Anatomy of Hope. He did one episode, movie, and then he did Star Trek. <laughs> but I can't understand. He did an episode of The Office. That's that's bizarre. That's bizarre. I never knew, knew he did that. I'm going to have to watch that episode and see how many lens flares are yeah. coming out of Michael Scott at <laughs> uh, any one moment. But yeah. Um, so yeah, a very different feel this movie. It's definitely closer to the espionage thriller. Yeah, absolutely. The Vatican scene was pretty much what sealed me in back in there. Yeah. I, I was in. That is right. Yeah, because I get sometimes I get confused with the Kremlin scenes. Well, the Kremlin's in the fourth one. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Well, that, this wasn't the one with the wall, was it? The, the wall that. No, 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 that's the fourth one. That's the fourth one. Yeah, because Simon Pegg's in that one. Yeah. Um, Doesn't so, Simon Pegg come in this one? He does, but he's. A very small role. Yeah. And he's a tech wizard behind the computer. Yeah. You have no idea what it is? Yeah. It's interesting. I used to have this professor at Oxford, okay, Dr. Wickham. His name was seems like this massive fat guy, you know, a huge big guy. We used to call him, <laughs> you know, well, I won't tell what we used to call him, but he taught biomolecular kinetics and cellular dynamics. And he used to sort of scare the underclassmen with this story about how the world would eventually be eviscerated by technology. You see, it was inevitable that a, a compound would be created, which he referred to as the anti-god. It was like an accelerated mutator, a sort of, you know, like a, 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 an unstoppable force of, of, of destructive power that would just lay waste to everything, to buildings and parks and streets and children and ice cream parlours, you know? So whenever I see, like, a rogue organisation willing to spend this amount of money on a mystery tech, I always assume it's the anti-god. Um, for a very small time, and I think it was kind he's of... He's not a field agent at that point, is he? No, I think he's just testing his feet at the time. Uh, had he done Star Trek by the time the fourth one had come out? I think he had. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So, obviously, J.J. Abrams and Tom Cruise are talking and sharing their good good men mm. among them, because 
this is what they have to do in Hollywood to, to get the best out of their film. I think Hollywood is very afraid to go out of out of the circle of friends, mm. and when they want to be a when they want to maintain a certain uh, success ratio, they have to go with people they can rely on. And uh, that Simon, makes sense. Yeah, Simon Pegg is a reliable person. Yeah, and you know. So yeah, because I don't really remember him in that movie though, in, in Mission Impossible Three. Uh, yeah, you weren't like a big part in it, was no. he? Obviously, is more in four and five. But was he in the Vatican scenes? Was he working in the Vatican? No, I can't remember. Okay, so I really should have watched this. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. It, it's not. It doesn't stick in the memory of what happened in the Vatican. What did they do in the? I, I know what I did in the Vatican. I took in a, a washing line. And I um, went along a procession of, of crying nuns and didn't realise that uh, Pope John Paul II was actually lying in, in, in rest. Uh, yeah. Really? That's what I did. I got in. Well done, you. Um, it must be easy to get in the back. It's <laughs> not that hard at all. You just need a washing line. It's a really odd thing because, um, uh, just to break away, but this is relevant because of the Vatican. Uh, this is probably why I connected to the Vatican story because I've been there. And I scaled the wall and I dropped down. And, um, but no, I, I went there and uh, I wanted to go inside and then it was quite fun. And they, they did a bag check and they um, they found the washing line. They didn't find the tomato knife that I had that I used to, to peel carrots and yeah. prepare food with. But he says, what are you going to do with that? And I said, I'm going um, <laughs> I, to wash it in the back again. <laughs> I, 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 have my, I, said, I said, I have my tent in, uh, I knew where I was in Rome, Campo Rome, and I want to do my washing uh, I'm a travel. I'm traveling. I'm a tourist, uh, but I'm camping. I had to explain that I'm using the washing line as a washing line, and right. not to go in to strangle anybody or to do anybody away with. So straight away, my my cover is blown. But yeah, I did not realize that when I was joining a queue, I thought I was joining a queue to go into the public space of the Vatican. But no, I was. I joined the queue to go and pay my last respects to Pope John Paul II, who had just died. Right. And I didn't realise that they died. I didn't know what was going because I've been travelling for for a month already, and I had no idea what was going on. The news. No, I don't have a phone, mobile phone, or anybody telling me what the news was going on. I didn't realise that the Pope had died, and so I didn't know what to do. And the nuns in front of me did the did the cross, and I said, I said well, "What do I do? What do I do?" I said, just, "Just do what they did." So I did, and I literally just knelt in front of this uh, uh, his body, which was so far away, in, yeah. but still, the rope was close enough that you can you can smell the talcum powder the balming powder and it was strong but it's just I just did that and then just moved on and I kind of thought my brain was blown I was literally just blown that by a nun <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself i just seen the Pope um, lying in lying in stasis, stasis lying in what do you call it lying in death so yeah the Vatican scene happens yeah it's very clever yeah, yeah, scales, scales the wall, takes a picture, sticks it on the camera. Humpty but, Dumpty sat on the wall. Indeed. And whatever happens after that is a blur until um, until he starts to impersonate Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, oh, he's dead. He's a good actor. And you're going to tell us everything. Every buyer you've worked with, every organization. What the hell is your name? Names, contacts, inventory lists. You have a. A wife, girlfriend. It's up to you how this goes. Because you know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to find her. 
Whoever she is, I'm going to find her and I'm going to hurt her. You're apprehended carrying details of the location of something codenamed the Rabbit's Foot. I'm going to make her bleed and cry and call out your name. And you're not going to be able to do shit. You know why? What is a Rabbit's Foot? Because you're going to be this close to dead. And who is the buyer? And then I'm going to kill you right in front of her. Right, so we eventually kind of get to Shanghai. Right. I don't remember any of this film. <laughs> Shanghai, Scotland. And um, and they um, he, he learns that his wife has been... Yeah, it, but that's the thing. It's funny because I, don't, I remember everything that happens in four. Yeah. Relatively to five. But they pack him. They pack these movies pretty full. You gotta say, there's not exactly just one storyline. I mean, what was the threat in three? Was it? It wasn't a virus, was it? It was a. Was it a list of what was the rogue element of this movie? Lawrence Fishburne is his boss in this movie. Yeah, and isn't Seymour Hoffman the rogue agent? To a certain extent, isn't it Billy, Billy Crudup? Is the uh, is ah, that's it? Lawrence Fishburne's um, second in command because they actually apprehend um, Ethan Hunt when he learns that his wife has been kidnapped, and then the rogue agent actually helps to get Tom Cruise free because they need him out right back there so that they can plant something on him to yeah. Oh help us! Oh dear. Yeah, but it's it, that's the thing. It's a, it's a, it's there's so many things go on, and that you kind of just you can't always remember. That's why you have to watch them several times. This is why he wants you to buy the DVDs, folks. That's what it is. What it's all just for this. Just for this to make you buy them. That's yeah. what. That's the same with the Lord of the Rings. You can't remember everything that happens, so you're able to watch them over and over. Actually, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no one has that amount of time. Yeah, but it's dense. It's very packed full. And uh, but the number three was at least more enjoyable than number two. It was, yeah. Yes, stronger cast. Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, no. Is he sort of brings sort of a gravitas to it, doesn't he? He does. Having Hoffman there, a, a, a threat definitely. Because yeah. you don't you don't know what he's going to do. You don't feel safe with him in the scene, as mm. you do with with say Simon Pegg. Yeah. There's a certain safety involved with his his, his presence. Yeah. But, uh, not not for. I mean, <clears throat> Fishburne, of course, is another famous boss who hasn't been seen since the Matrix movie. And uh, yeah, well, he does CSI Plymouth now, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, Plymouth. But still, the, the Plymouth, Plymouth, Texas, Plymouth, Texas, Plymouth Rock. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but um, yeah. they're not kind to the female casts, are they? The Mission Impossible. Mm. They always have like what would be a strong woman. Yes, but she's never back for two, or, th- or the one for two is never back for three. No, one the for three, and they set they'll yeah. set her up. Yeah, to be not, this not really was strong. set up to be a character, or, uh. she, or they just didn't ask about. Yeah, like, I think because the fourth one, yeah, that she's brilliant in that film. Yes, and she's such a great strong a, a presence in the film, and then she doesn't come back for five, even though she's a set. At the end of four, let's go from three to the end of four, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah where they all pick up phones, and she picks up the phone like, I'm definitely in. At the yeah, IMF, in. I'm in now. Yeah. And she's just come back for the fifth one. That's cra- It is crazy, because she did a lot in that film. I mean, she, she, did. she was, I mean, they were in Dubai kicking, she kicked the woman out the window because you, you killed yeah, the woman. You shouldn't, yeah, you let your personal feelings get in the way of. Damn it. 
But uh, yeah, so let's move from three. He rescues his wife in Shanghai. Oh yeah, the running scene. He runs for about um, uh, about an hour, two hours. Yeah, that actually is a good scene. Though. It's a quite, but it was beautifully done because nobody gets in his way and he doesn't trip on anything. And I'm thinking, Jesus, I'd love to be able to run around Shanghai and actually not. But the, it was very tense when he actually had to get Simon Pegg to tell him tell him which building that she was in. Yeah, and get to the right building, and you got that group of Chinese. The typical scene of, of uh, Chinese uh, older people sitting there. Yeah, apart from lens flares, J.J. Abrahams likes people running. He does. Yes, in Star Trek, people are running in the Enterprise. To get yeah. it's, it, he likes kinetic energy. He yeah. loves the idea of people. Like the of beginning people of Into yeah. Darkness, the running away from that tribe. Yeah, yeah. And then in the middle of it, when um, George, Har- George Harrison, or whatever they tried to call him before he ended up being calm. Um, when they're flying through the space debris and they've got Simon Pegg bombing it down what was like a hangar yeah, it was yeah running. and then had to run back you know but the same in the in the first one with Kirk where he's chasing with McCoy and he's got the, the, the medical thing and they're running from scene to scene talking it's because he doesn't want to I think he was terrified of falling into the George Lucas trap he really I think he really really wanted to direct Star Wars and he desperately didn't want to have anything that looked like walking in a corridor talking I think it's yeah partly that and partly if you were given any time to think in those two Star Wars films you did you go hang on no that doesn't make sense but because you haven't got time to let that gel because it's just so bang 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 yeah, bang yeah, bang, yeah. bang and <laughs> popcorn 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 yeah yeah I think for that he's great you know but then for some reason that helps us sell DVDs because like we say we don't remember everything that happened in Mission Bad Possible 3 uh, it's like Lost Lost is also the, the TV series Lost is full of plot lines that overlap each other and some that don't get resolved unanswered questions J.J. Abrams is very good at kind of opening people's questions and making them think that they need to know an answer for something but it just turns out to be nothing that's not really necessary nothing important I mean if you think about it uh, MacGuffins are very common in J.J. Abrams. It's like the, what is the rabbit's foot? It's nothing. Yeah. There is no rabbit's foot, but it, it's an unanswered question. And J.J. Abrams is very good at unanswered questions. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. So let's move on to Ghost Protocol. Okay, uh, it's my favorite. Oh, sorry, uh, that's me. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite Mission Impossible film. Yes, by a mile. I agree, and I, I think such fun. It was really good fun, and you were able to kind of suspend your your disbelief. Uh, Brett Ratner directed this, right? No, no, no. Sorry, <laughs> who directed? Oh no, hang on. Let me think. It was, it was, it was. Um, Jodie Foster. She, Jodie Foster directed this. Right? Yeah, she did. Yeah, that's why the aliens were in it. <laughs> I would love. <laughs> I would love Jodie Foster or Mel Gibson to direct. It'll be in the wrong language. <laughs> That would offend. I meant to tell you that you know Mel Gibson's making a film, oh. a, a directing one. Yeah, what's that? Um, I should possible something about um, some like a war in um, somewhere. Thank you for letting our viewers know that. <laughs> Rogue Nation, right? No, Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Brad Bird directed it. Ghost Protocol. An hour ago, a bomb blew up the Kremlin. president has initiated ghost protocol the entire imf has been disavowed 
Now I've been ordered to take you to Washington, where they will hang the Kremlin bombing on you and your team. Unless you were to escape after assaulting Brandt and me. But if any one of your team is caught, they will be branded terrorists, out to incite global nuclear war. So what happens now? Your mission, should you choose to accept it. So, what's the play? Who are you really, Brant? We all have our secrets. Don't we, Ethan? You're not gonna make it! You're not helping. Redbird was born September 24th, 1957. He did Tomorrowland and didn't get great. He did Ratatouille. Jack Jack Attack, The Incredibles, The Iron Giant. He did some Simpsons. So he did a lot of animated film. In fact, he did nothing but animated films up until Ghost Protocol. Really? That's interesting. That so it. again, a brave choice, maybe. He looks He looks young. He looks. Do you know who he looks like in this picture on IMDb? Josh Whedon. Like uh, yeah, yeah, he does as well. He looks like um, the, the kid from Sixth Sense, all grown up. Oh, yeah. Even though the kid from Sixth Sense, all grown, all up. grown up, also looks like a pie, <laughs> a crusty meat and potato pie. So yeah, producing tomorrow, Tomorrowland. What went wrong with that? What was that? Apparently, it's just not great. No, apparently it's okay, but just not great. So the Iron Giant. That's a great film. That's the cartoon, the right? It's a cartoon. Yeah. Vin Diesel did the voice of the Iron Giant. Did he say, "I am Iron Groot"? <laughs> I am. Um, Iron Giant. Iron Giant. We are Iron Giant. So Jack, Jack Attack, Ratatouille. Yeah, so Ghost yeah. Protocol is his first... Live action film? Live action film. Uh, so you moved from the world of animation where you can pretty precisely control things to uh, the world the of world live action. The world of chaos. Yeah, what's that transition been like for you? Um, it, you know, some things are harder and some things are easier. I think it's a wash overall in terms of... Uh, Making film is hard no matter how you do it, whether you're doing big films or small films or animated or live action. But um, there are a lot of things that, are, you know, storytelling is storytelling. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Some directors making the transition might start out with maybe a small indie film. Yeah. Not you. Um, I probably should have. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of like saying that, you know, hey, I'd like to go swimming. I'd like to try swimming and then finding yourself in the middle of the Atlantic, you know. So, yeah, it was a big, big pill to swallow. How astonishing is that? And it's it's one of the best of the Mission Impossible films. Yeah. Beating out all the veteran directors, John Woo, uh, Brian De Palma, yeah. and um, first-time director J.J. Abrams, Abrahams, who... Yeah. Abrahams. <laughs> Ab- Abraham. <laughs> Uh, so move that mountain. Yeah, go Ghost Protocol. But it's it was an astonishing opening. Right. Okay, yeah. Let's go, let's, go, let's go with the, the opening. prison. Great. Oh, so good. I, I don't normally like prison scenes. I normally kind of turn off about oh they're in a prison. Unless there's a rape, I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> but um, when he's in his cell, the only bit of Tom Cruise being superhuman right in this film is when he's got that stone and he's hitting against the wall and catching it every time. Yes. You know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's superhuman cruise, but that's the only bit you get out of it, and then the rest of it is just normal hurting himself, but being impossible and mission in it. Yeah, I think him running through hordes of prisoners, kind of like if you look back at it, thinking, but "Well, that, come on." 
when he comes up to the door and he's like looking at the camera and like open the door and Simon Pegg's like I'm not going to open it I'm not going to open it can we do it I'm not opening it that's when Simon Pegg came into his own in these films in that that film in that scene no no, I'm not no I won't I I will not open that door please go to the extraction point Ethan I know I know what this means but I I can't I'm not authorised go to the extraction point Ethan go to the extraction point oh we're going to you're just going to wait we're going to wait we're going to wait I can wait. Okay, fine, fine, fine! There. We'll just just screw the whole thing up on purpose. I don't know what he's doing, and for some reason I'm helping him. You know he mean? found his character, and I think that's what he needed to do. That That's why they gave him that scene. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of give him... Because I think by that time, Tom Cruise and Simon Pegg have actually become quite good friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're kind of supporting each other, and they want each other to do well. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, Tom Cruise, for all the things that people say that he's this this giant of a of a scary man, who I can imagine, yeah, is he'll be intimidating to meet. But you got to get a grip because he doesn't want to meet somebody who's intimidated by somebody that's not him. You've got to see Tom Cruise for being Tom Cruise, and I think Sim Simon Pegg. Yeah, I think Tom Cruise is the dude who spends three hours outside of a premiere signing stuff. He is probably the, one of the most generous people, yeah. And I he think appreciates that people, yes. you know, watch his films. And, and do you know what? I, I watched a, a thing that happened to him. He got squirted with water. And he stood there very calmly talking to the prankster because it was apparently a prank show, that like kind of like a Dennis Penis kind of thing. Right. Where I bet you can't spray Tom Cruise with water and get away with it. And he just said, he said, well, why did you do it? He just stood there and the guy just crumbled. Incredibly rude. I'm here giving you an interview and answering your questions, and you do something really nasty. You're a jerk. You're a jerk. And it was it was brilliant because he didn't lose his call. He didn't get angry. He just said he said, "But why would you do that? I mean, I'm here. I'm, I'm here giving you an interview, and I'm, I'm being very generous. And, and, and he puts them puts people in their place in the right way. You're stepping over a line now. You're stepping over a line. You know you are. I suppose they're questions Peter, that people want to know. Peter, you want to know. Take and responsibility for what you want to know. Don't say what other people. This is a conversation that I'm having with you right you're now. You're right. Okay. So I'm just telling you right now, okay, just put your manners back in. Do you think I was out of line? Yes, absolutely. Well, I apologize for that Good. sincerely. Good. Like he had done about psychology, well, the guy who was kind of saying that he, he knew everything about psychology. and you know, His beliefs about psychology have nothing to do with it, but the how it helps. No, psychology and psychiatry. Oh, right. Um, it, it's, it, it's, um, Scientologists don't believe that psychiatry and uh, it's mind control. And you need, the mind is free. It has to be allowed to find its way. And it's you, know, you can't pump people with drugs, medication, just to control them. It's his belief, and I don't necessarily believe in that. But he was able to fight his corner without it. But the the guy who was interviewing was kind of being very abrasive and very punchy about it. What is an ideal scene in life? Okay, uh, ideal scene is someone not having to take antipsychotic drugs. I would agree. Okay, so now you look at it and you go, okay, a, a departure from that ideal scene is someone taking drugs. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you go, okay, what is the theory and the science behind that that justifies that? Let me take this more general, because I think you and I could go around in circles on this for a while, and, and, and I respect your opinion on it. Do you want more people to understand Scientology? Is that, would that be a goal of yours? You know what? I, absolutely, of course. You know, How do people, you go about that? You just communicate about it, and the important thing is, like, you and I talk about it, whether it's 
look, if I want to know something, I go and find out. Because I don't talk about things that I don't understand. I'll say, you know what? I'm not so sure about that. I'll go find more information about it so I can, I can come to an opinion based on, on the information that I have. You, you're so passionate about it. And I'm passionate about learning. I'm passionate about life, Matt. And when he, he didn't want to talk about his private life, he was very, very... He got an apology from an Australian interviewer, interviewer right. who apologised, saying, I apologise, I didn't mean to overstep my boundaries. And he steered it back on course to talk about what he was talking about. Hmm. So when he, when he is faced with, in adversity where so, somebody is pushing him, putting the pressure on him, pushing, putting the steam press on him, when it's not necessary... Like with um, Robert Gunner Jr. Downing Jr. having yeah. an interview about Iron Man, and he just walks out. He can't. He doesn't want to deal with it. Tom Cruise would have just sat there and talked it through and dealt with it and right. carried on the interview. Because the interview, the work is more important. The interview is important still to him. That little bit of altercation with the interviewer, if it's resolved, he just carries on. Right. Doesn't hold it, and that's beautiful. That's a beautiful, and I think that that relationship with, that he has with people is it is that you know it's give and take. And I think Simon Pegg gives a heck of a lot yeah. to what he does. And I, I think I've, I've grown in my appreciation of him over the years. I but, love Simon Pegg. Ever yeah. since the first time I saw him was on TV. Yeah. Just thought, that guy's great. He's going to go well. He's yeah. going to go far. And Didn't think he'd go this far. But no, no, no. I don't I'm think glad. he ever knew he'd go this far. He, he represents us as, as kind of like the fan person who, I mean, he's, do, he's doing everything that we ever w- dreamed of doing. Yeah. He played Scotty. He's in Star Wars. He's in the new Star Wars. Yeah, he's playing some alien, isn't he? He's all um... fantastic. He doesn't even care. He just loves to be. He's just. I bet even if he was just a piece of floor, <laughs> be walked on by Harrison Ford, he'd be like, "I'm really enjoying this." Ow! <laughs> yeah, loving you. It's like a Terminator and Terminator. <laughs> yeah. And that, there you go. And um, so, so he gets a meteor role in this. He really has. He really fits in well. With that the opening jail scene is just brilliant. It is. It's such a kinetic. It's it's fast paced, but it's not and unnecessary. It's funny. Yeah, the, the the guy who they, he rescues, which is not a part of the mission, but it's a part of his mission. Yeah, gets him out, and he's like, oh, you, know, "You speak Russian." Uh, it's like it's hilarious. And then yeah, the, you're not Russian. The beautiful transfer between vehicles when they when he when he suddenly gets shot, and taken out, and put into the other yeah, vehicle. just start pulled out. Then he's pulled oh. out. That's it. Take him out. Get rid of him. And then carry on. Let's talk about business. It's great. Yeah. And then, what happens then? He gets told that, um, is the IMF being taken down again, or or something's happened? Something so. happened, but no, it's only, only until the Kremlin, because they, they get the mission for the Kremlin, first of all, and it's their first mission. Benji's first, but ben, Benji's still not a full agent. Um, no, hasn't something happened? Oh, no, yeah, the, the Kremlin, Kremlin comes The Kremlin down. has right, to right, happen right, first. Yeah. But that, that, so they get their mission about uh, the fact that well, you, you've got this Russian guy, we've broken you out of prison, and now you've got to now you've got to go and do something. We've got to do the crime. Yeah, because that scene saying if you broke me out of prison, there must be something very bad out here, That's because it. he was on his own mission in there, wasn't he, to try and get the. It's perfect. Yeah, and so your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to penetrate the highly secured archive inside the Kremlin and retrieve Cobalt's file before he can destroy it. New intel suggests Cobalt is already en route leaving you four hours 52 minutes to infiltrate to save time we've chosen your team for you agents carter and dunn as always should you or any member of your team be caught or killed the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions 
This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Ethan. So, um, Benji's really tested in this, but the, the only fault that I can see with that is is what if it was such an... I mean, the Kremlin is probably the, the top mission on that list. Surely they would have had a Jerry, Jeremy Renner type with a Tom Cruise type going in, but they, they sent Simon Pegg in, who is not full agent yet. But they it still works. Because I like for how, us, yeah. but he's still not full agent. And he's really nervous, isn't he? So when the, he's like, Cruise has got the whole Kremlin Russian get up going on. Yeah. And the walking. He's still bumbling around. Yeah, and he's still asking, oh, you look really good with that moustache. You, you look, you really look right. You really look good. You know what I mean? You look just the part. Kind of, you know, shut up, part. kind of thing, shut you know. Up. Exactly. But it's kind of, it, the, you know, not to compare it with Jar Jar Binks, but he kind of has a slight sense of, of, of I, I, he shouldn't really be there on this mission. Kind yeah, yeah, you do get that. But, yeah. but then they know what his skills are. His skills are behind the computer. His skills are opening doors. His skills are making the, the making the image, the, the magic. He's the magician who pulls the rabbit out of the hat. He's the guy behind the curtain. Yeah, and that's why they bring him along. That's why they need him, even yeah. though even though he's not very good at protocol, which is great. Or being a ghost. Or being a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean the, the the whole screen thing I said in the corridor was was back. We're back there. We're back in Mission Impossible territory. Yeah, yeah, that was that was such a great scene. And that's it. This this is what they needed to do, and this is what John Woo failed to do was set up any any sense of espionage uh, going into a scene. There was no quiet moment where they were just setting things up and just going with the flow very gently, easing it off slowly, quietly. There's that bit because obviously Simon Pegg's Great. still a bit of a bumbling idiot. Where yeah. they set the screen up and they're waiting for it to. He stands in front of it. And you just yeah. see a big head. And <laughs> Simon Pegg's massive head. And he, just, yeah. he sort of looks in and then gets snapped back. Really funny. It is, and, and it, the humour in that works, even though, you know, like I say, he's not really right for that mission, but he's the only one available for that mission on that day. Yeah. So I guess that's probably why it's, it's, it's vicinity and proximity. Well, that girl stuff. probably would have been better to go in with them. I don't think so because oh, I'd say a girl the idea the of Russia being being this this patriot uh, not patriot pa- patriot yeah patriarch yeah. society where women are probably not going to go far with that I mean that's why pussy riots are in jail right yeah exactly oh bless pussy riot so they, they blow up the Kremlin things don't go well well, um, well they don't blow it up. That no, guy, the guy yeah, who's yeah. always one step. What I liked about this is they're on the back foot. They're not the ones who are always in front of everything. They're on the back foot trying to chase this guy who always seems to be one step ahead of them, though, doesn't That's it? That's it, yeah. The, the... And he blows up half the Kremlin. Yeah, which is, a, you know, a crazy thing. Hello? Sorry. Are you messing with your mic? I just put my arm on it. But it's a crazy thing. And then, of course, now everybody is disavowed. Yeah, so the issue goes protocol against IMF. So guess what happens then? What Wait. does what does Cruz have to do? Finds a train. He has to go rogue. Oh, he has to go rogue. With Jeremy Renner. He finds a train. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner, Renner, he joins the team because he's there with the secretary of IMF to tell Tom Cruise that you know he's got to bring him in, but he's not going to bring him in because he's going to let him go. But then all of a sudden his car gets car-bombed. Yeah. And they fall he into gets the water. And um, and then he gets dead in, and Jeremy Renner and Tom Cruise escape out. But the I thing is, like Jer- Jeremy Renner. I, I Jeremy Renner's good in this because he has a backstory. He has a reason to be there 
He does. Because and he's I, feeling guilty. Yeah. And I, I genuinely think he's quite funny and snappy in the in it. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy is sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No, Jeremy Renner is snappy in this movie. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, like like a crocodile, like a crocodile. But he's not um, the archer. The what is he? No, he's not the archer. What is he in Avengers? Oh, he's um, in Avengers. Of course he's... He's in Avengers, man. He's, I know, I've come from... No, he, or is it, is it or Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Is it, oh, Hawkeye, yeah, he's in Hawkeye. No, he is Hawkeye, he's <laughs> in Hawkeye. Well, I suppose he is, because he's in himself, isn't he? He's, he's Hawkeye, in... so... Thought I actually like him, I like Jeremy Renner as an on-screen presence. He was in um, American Hustle, and he's really good in that film. Yeah. Okay, so so Jeremy Renner's alright, um, and the, the girl kicks ass. She's amazing. Yeah, she does, and... She should have so come back for... Go, um, Road Nation. Nation, yes, but then okay, let's go to Dubai. Come on, this is this is the this is the meat and potatoes of this film. This blew me away. Yeah, so they've got a set up where essentially two people meet each other. This um, hit woman who murdered the girl's mate, so she's got this thing. Who to, to be honest, she's like a serial killer. She looks about as powerful as Tyler Taylor Swift. Yeah, also very hot. Taylor <laughs> Swift isn't. Um, no, that matters. What to talk about? And then, so they and they're, they're two. So they've got to set up two fake meetings on two different floors. Yes. But the yeah. only way they can tap into the computer system is from the outside of the building because they can't get in. They can't get in because of the, the firewall. Amazing. So, and I love the way it happens. It volu- they volunteer because nobody else can do it. So it has yeah, because be before that, Jeremy Renner's character says, like, "Well, what do I do?" He says, "Well, you just." hang around or whatever they say I'm, to I'm observing I'm uh, yeah you just observed somebody said well who's going to do it and Simon Pegg's like well I'm the computer guy yeah. and then and it, it, is like I, I have to observe and he's like, like Simon's so going to get out there and they just chuck those gloves at him yeah. really good comic moment yeah because he honestly doesn't want to do it and there's a moment of realism of humor a human a human element from yeah. Ethan Hunt where he's actually I, I can't believe I've got to do this but do you know what he just does it he gets into the mindset yeah so he puts on these like sort of magnetic sucky gloves yeah and um, he scales a massive building <laughs> from the outside seven floors up seven floors up incredible and the, the best bit I, I gotta say I, I, the piece de resistance was when he had to get back without the gloves and he does a run around the building because the length of hose isn't long enough to get him back into the building yeah so in order to kind of project himself back in genius he goes running around that building now was that CGI or was that real did somebody run around that building I think someone ran around the building I, think was, I don't think that was him no it weren't him he scaled the he building. scaled the building I reckon there would have been lots of pulleys and ropes yeah. and stuff that's yeah. been digitally taken out I'd yeah. like to see footage of where, you know how it actually was but the important thing is is Tom Cruise was on the outside of the biggest tallest building in the world that's it that's the fact that's the point and, and, whether, and, whether he were, there was a tray below him or not doesn't matter he was out there he was out there it. doing it because things can go wrong and he did it and it's amazing and it, it's, it's, when the glove malfunctions he just his right hand glove malfunctions so he, he basically just takes it off and he goes up just using the one glove and then when he gets a few floors up that glove's stuck to the side of the building again isn't it the yeah. wind's blown onto it and he looks at it and it just sort of powers off and falls off <laughs> and it's just it's a nice little funny moment yeah brilliant yeah it's, it's, but it's, it freaked me out because I've got to think about heights right 
And uh, but even now I knew it was going to be fine and know everything was going to be tickety boo. But when he didn't have a glove, and I thought, well, how's he going to get? Is he going to walk back in? Yeah. I thought, yeah, he'll be able to just walk back in now. He can get in through on the inside. It's easier to get in out from the inside, surely. No, 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 no. He's going to go back out the window. Yeah. And he's got to hose. drop down, use the hose, and he did a little hose. homage to Die Hard. Maybe, yeah, absolutely. And because um, he uses a hose, doesn't he? But can't get through and has to shoot his way through the um... shoot his way through. Yeah, yeah. That that's yeah. Maybe, maybe I think there's something there to it. But the, we, again, we've got to look at this from the mindset of the fact that the director is a first time director who just done animation. Yeah. This isn't a veteran director who knows how to get. He he has to try. He must have been cacking himself. Uh, Tom Cruise is famous for wanting to do all his stunts, which makes for a cool bit of trivia, but isn't it nerve-wracking as a director? Absolutely. I I think every director that's made these kind of movies with him, you know, will admit to, you know, the the moment in the middle of the night where your eyes snap open, which I had, and like, you know, what am I doing? You know, but uh, he loves stunts. Um, He also is a firm believer that it you can see it on on the screen that when uh when the actor's really there and and uh he's ready to do that. I think he really enjoys it too. Yeah. You know. Likes the jogging. adrenaline, yeah. To be, to think that he had to trust everybody to do this when all he's ever trusted before is animators to make sure that they they get the right color yeah. on the right character. Now he's got to make sure that nobody kills Tom Cruise. The pressure, man. I'd, I'd love to be able to interview Brad Bird and ask him how he actually really felt, honestly. Yeah. If he was first nervous. few days of shooting, first day of, of doing that was that the first thing they did. I don't know because that it, that would be even more intense if that was the first thing he ever did. Yeah, but you know, nobody nobody goes in and directs Jackie Chan first time. Surely, they probably. I don't do. think anyone Jack, directs Jackie Chan. Jackie, Jackie Chan directs Jackie Chan, doesn't he? But would Jackie Chan have done this movie? And do you think if Tom Cruise and Jackie Chan did a film together, would they kill? I think you said this already, didn't you? That if Jackie Chan and Tom Cruise did a film together, they'd probably kill each other. They'd, they'd probably both out. I'll try out, outdo each other. Yeah. Out die each other very quickly. Yeah, it would be a very short film. But then, Tom, yeah, you can't bring Jackie. Jackie's done far better stunts than Tom's ever done. Most likely, yeah. No, he has. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, so... There's no nets when Jackie dr- runs from one building and jumps onto the other one. There's no nets. If he didn't make it, he'd die. <laughs> That's the... Um... He's still alive. Yeah. He's still there. Tom Cruise is still alive. He's still there. But I tell you what, his luck's going to run out. <laughs> if he does, if, if he gets... I mean, imagine being the one who kills Tom Cruise. <laughs> It was um, so. So the director was there, right? Okay, the safety people were there. Okay, the guy. I was like, oh, I, I forgot to loosen, uh, to tighten his. Thing. That was me. I killed Tom Cruise. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to loose. I, I didn't tighten the harness. It reminds me of that fascial sketch. You know, the stuntman who's hard of hearing. <laughs> really? Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, hey, hey!" He's like, "What? What? What?" Uh, can you come over here? He's like, jump off the pier. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Jumps <laughs> off the pier, you know. It's, uh, yeah. God, I mean, you just, yeah. But even, because obviously it all goes tits up, doesn't it? And they end up going on that chase. And that chase through Dubai, even though the sandstorm hits. Sandstorm, a bit of a, yeah, a coincidence that that's happening at the same time. Or is it? I'm not sure. I don't know. It, but that's okay. Let, let it's it okay, yeah. Because I actually like when, he, you know, you think, right, he's got away now, surely. And then he finds a car and goes after him in the car. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's brilliant. And uh, that car, because you can't see a thing, and he's just using his phone to Luckily, see how close he he's getting his, to him. he still had his, his eyewear. His eyewear from yeah, there, yeah. yeah. And then um, I love that when he's coming around, so he just directly goes in front of him, and they just smash into each other. And, yes. But he yeah. just still manages to get away, and he takes a mask off to the other guys he's getting away. It's great, great cinema. Great, great action. And a popcorn fella, that is. I mean, yeah, you'd have more popcorn on your feet than you would in your mouth. Yeah, you'd have popcorn right that's great and so then it moves on and um, yeah and the the big climax of that oh who was the old who was the um, the captain or the leader of IMF who it was the guy who got shot wasn't it oh so it's um, I forget his name he's, in, uh, he's a British guy British actor he's been in like Full Monty things like that that's it? it yeah I know who he is I didn't think he was uh, the, he was the big Rush Hour one as well I, think. I didn't think he was the big guy he was the big guy okay so yeah, the, then the, the missile gets launched and they think it's all over, but it's not because there's the final climactic scene in the car um, car depot, yeah, car park, which, to be honest, it has that uh, you should be dead several times moment in that. It does, and he's fighting with a broken ankle and all that. But kind of surely, stuff. when the car goes down fifty feet drop and actually crashes into the thing, his face should be a little bit smashed. Yeah, but no, he's still beautiful, and as you said. As you said, you messaged me, not a hair out of place. No, beautiful hair. He just feels a bit stiff and this is hospital. Sure, yeah. what the hell. Some nurses there. And then Pretty it, nurses. And then at the end he's saying, you know, we did that. We saved we, the We world. had no one to help us. Yeah. We, it was ghost protocol. We had to go rogue. <laughs> rogue, rogue, rogue. And, uh, but we did that. Yeah. So you should join us. And then they all take a phone and Jeremy's like, I can't take that phone because I was there when you were... I didn't, I, I didn't protect your wife I was supposed to be looking after you and I didn't protect you how do you know she's dead what did you see the body nicely no. tied up yeah. nicely tied up it's like mm, there you and go there she is with Bing Rhymes as if that's the safest person to it's really not with Bing Rhymes she's just with um, a oh. friend like a doctor friend oh gosh I, okay and there she is in the distance going into, yeah, into the it. restaurant with yeah. a doctor she, friend she sort of sees him smiles that's it move on yeah which is nice because you don't want to keep on stringing on that uh, wife scene and you don't want him to constantly have the lady of the film no. lady moment of the of the film which he does in the next one anyway well that's it because she <sighs> she was so good she was in Ghost Protocol I really liked her strong character beautiful yeah. great they, so, g- they gave her a, they gave her the option to, to go into the next the, film yeah they give her the phone and Brian, then they just don't ring her back Brad Bird had it but then what did what did uh, the next guy <laughs> Christopher McQuarrie yes okay Jack Reacher which Whale he did Grimm. with Tom Cruise Valkyrie also with, with um, Tom Cruise yeah. so he wrote The Usual Suspects Edge of Tomorrow screenplay and then he says so right so you're Valkyrie with Cruise Edge of Tomorrow with Cruise but Rogue Nations while well, he did the screenplay Jack Reacher with Cruise Rogue Nations so basically he wrote the story and the screenplay for Rogue Nation the IMF is uniquely trained and highly motivated. Specialist without equal immune to any countermeasures. But it is an agency of chaos. The time has come to dissolve the IMF. Now, I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? Last I heard, he was tracking the syndicate. How come the CIA has never discovered any intel regarding this syndicate? You want to play an answer or the truth? (laughs) 
we've never met before, right? Follow me. Veggie. Ethan, where are you? The syndicate is real. A rogue nation trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. They're coming after us with everything they've got. You ready? It's not as good as the last one. No, no, that's, that's for sure. It never quite gets over its opening. It does a James Bond opening, doesn't it? It does, and it's it's the whole thing of uh, jumping out the airplane um, unstrapped to Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the same as jumping off the Eiffel Tower in View to a Kill. It's the same as Goldeneye with the explode with the uh, the jumping into the dam. Yeah, yeah. It's memorable, and that's what you kind of go away with. But and again, it's what's you... talked about all the time. Nobody else has talked about anything else about that film but that scene yeah and I thought when you see it in the trailer it's going to be like at the end of the film and it's, it's, uh, the, it's not it's the very beginning they give it away straight away yeah and, uh, and, and that that kind of put me in a place of like okay whatever happens now has to be good and it never quite reaches that no. sort of greatness it bothers me a lot because it, this film goes back to the James Bond esque kind of a feeling about mm. it Ghost Protocol really, really blew me away as a strong, strong contender as a Mission Impossible film. Yeah, this is not that film. No, it's not. And it's got scenes like the underwater scene. It that just was okay. it's okay and it's tense. And I was like, I, it, I was like, <laughs> I was like that. But yeah. because the CGI wasn't really great, no, it kind of it kind of got lost in it a yeah, little bit. I like the fact that you know I like the girl in it again. All right, because you'd never quite know where to trust her. Yeah. And um, Rebecca Ferguson, I think her name is. Yeah, Rebecca British. Ferguson. And Very pretty. Yeah. Uh, and she's she's younger than us. That's insulting, isn't it? They're getting younger and younger. Shit. So uh, yeah, but um, I keep getting older, and the high school girls keep saying the same age. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So Simon Pegg's back again. Ving Rhymes. Um, Bigger part in this, Ving Rhymes. Yeah, he's he's finally back. And isn't Alec Baldwin... Oh, yeah. Alec Baldwin is the... Um... He's the big boss now. Yeah. Yeah, which is fair enough. He works in, in that, but... Uh, but Alec Baldwin shut down, he shut down IMF, him. so they have to go rogue <laughs> again. <laughs> they have to go rogue. But Simon Pegg is playing... playing um, like a do, do, Call of Duty, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's playing... Yeah, something like oh, that. No, Halo. He's, he's playing the new Halo 5. Oh, right. He's playing which, Halo. So... There's a bit of product placement in this film that kind of was a bit unnecessary because they actually really put it out there. As soon as he puts it in the drawer, it closes the drawer with Halo 5 in it. Yeah, and Simon Pegg obviously is a computer wizard, but he's a very nervous character. He's not really a proper yeah. agent, but he can beat a lie-detecting machine. Yeah, which is, you know... What? Okay. Yeah. No, but that's That's, that's, that's a, another impossible mission for Simon Pegg, though. He did it. Yeah, but uh, he has his brochure that, that comes in for uh, Vienna. Yeah. And that's Vienna, Auckland. Auckland. That's Vienna. the one. Right, and there's so right. many different Viennas. I don't want people to get confused as to which one I'm talking about. God, I'm yeah. just so glad they tell us. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, they goes to a, they go to an opera, and this is where Tom Cruise starts his Mission Impossible. Yes. And there's a couple of assassins. One of the assassins is the woman, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, who helped uh, him escape. Yeah, he was, being, he was about to be tortured, weren't he? And um, she oh yeah, the, the, there's there's a, there's the scene of torture, of course. Oh no, the, the, actually, to be honest, there's quite an interesting opening scene where he gets his mission because this is the first time where the mission is given to him, but it's been sabotaged by the bad guy. Yeah, who is the most boring bad guy I've ever seen. Really, he's yeah, an unforgettable he's pretty... dweeb with glasses. Yeah, 
who kills the record store lady um, and who obviously wasn't in on it. She wasn't in on the conspiracy because she was upset. She didn't realise that uh, this was going to happen. And uh, that's a beautiful record shop as well. Oh, yeah, lovely, yeah. And that's in the middle of London? No. That was in London. But yeah, the listening booth is rigged and he gets tortured and then Rebecca Ferguson does rescue him. Yeah. Though... And that big scurry guy, yeah. they had a name for him and uh, he'd probably been dead for years. And, yeah. And, you know, but it just took one kick and he was down. He yeah. kicked, banged his head against a pipe and that was it, he was out. Dolph Lundgren wouldn't go down with one kick. No, he wouldn't. John Glo- Jean Van Damme wouldn't go down with one kick. Why aren't they in these movies? Yeah, Tom Cruise wouldn't go down with one, one kick. kick. No, 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 no. But uh, he did. And uh, the, 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 but I tell you what, the the one thing that did make me feel tense was that the idea of torture going to happen and how easygoing Tom um, Ethan Hunt was about that. He's an IMF agent who's a is torture you know I guess they have secrets and they have to be tough and they have to be like Kiefer Sutherland in 24 where you know no matter what you do to me I'm not going to tell you the secrets yeah, yeah. but <clears throat> would the original Ethan Hunt in the first film if say if they jumped straight into that scene from the first film I wouldn't believe that that was also Ethan Hunt that Ethan Hunt has kind of become this this person who is not afraid of anything that's what I mean when we were yeah. talking about the first one we went to the second one it was like a, set, a superhero in the second yeah, one yeah exactly and then not as much in the others but yeah he's still this like really tough yeah he's tough but he's and sometimes I kind of just think that Ethan Hunt needs to to be humanised again a little bit more I mean I, they tried to do it because of the relationship so the, yeah, the film never really really hits the mark for me and I kind of le- left it going okay it yeah. was. It was not because I, mean, I watched the fourth one and then straight to the fifth one. Yeah. It was just. It was a letdown. It wasn't mm. as good. Wasn't as good. Should have kept that girl in it though. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm. So let's mark the Mission Impossible films in rank order. Yeah. So this is this is my personal. Yeah. Right. Okay. Four. One. Five. Three. Two. Yeah, it's four, one, three, five, two. Okay. I I I, st- I don't recall there being that much in five. I remember more in three. Right. I got more out of three than I did from five. I just really like the clinging yeah. onto the aeroplane bit. Yeah, and I I'm, I'm kind of saying that that's you you, you know mm. that was all good and true, but you can't just you can't just hang a whole movie on the wing of a plane. Very good. Because I can't remember how five ended, even right now. Right. Okay. But then I couldn't remember how three ended. I think we've talked about Mission Impossible long enough. We have, yes. And so I think let's, um, I think we're going to go and disavow ourselves and go rogue. Yeah, I'm going to go rogue. Yeah, that's it. Rogue in Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. Rogue in Manchester. So thank you very much, guys, uh, for listening and supporting us. You know where to find us. Uh, we're not going to do that shtick again. But you know where to find. You know where we are. Yeah, and if on, not, on two people. And if not, then we'll find you. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds.